So we left off last week with the previous Halalukah of Halalukah Leluat Hashem and Hashemayim. And today we approach Perek uh, Kuf Memtet, which is the second to last of the all the Prakim and Tilim. In English we have a fancy word for that. It's called the penultimate psalm, right? The second to last. And in it, David HaMelech is clearly... Um, displaying a nevuah of the future, a prophecy for the future time when the Mashiach will come and the song for that time when we, um, when we experience the Geulah. And further, as we're going to see, he also provides us with a message um, regarding our proper mode <coughs> of Shira and of Tefillah. So uh, he begins the Mizmor with Halulukah, Shiru la Hashem Shir Hadash, sing to Hashem a new song, Tilato, Bekal Hasidim, and his praise will then be in the congregation of the pious. Now, obviously, um, the reason it begins with Tilato, Bekal Hasidim, his praise shall be in the congregation of the pious, is because our previous Mizmor ended with Tilal Achol Hasidav, and that's basically a continuation of, of um, those words, and it's it's uh, linking to the previous uh, Mizmar. Now, why of all the Mizmarim in Tehilim does this one begin with Shir Hadash, that this song should be a new song for, for Hashem? So, in the Sidur Chasidei Ashkenaz and the Rokeach, they say that David HaMelech is calling to the people to sing Bekavana, to have a Shir Bekavana. And meaning that this Shir should be or in the time of the Gula, or to some, some effect, Bekavanat Halev, they say. That uh, they simply say Bekavanat Halev. David Melch is saying, say this with Kavanah. In other words, make it new, make it fresh, make it personal. But that sounds like, what it would sound like from them, from their Stimat Advarim, is that in general, we, when we pray, we pray with the words of other people. We pray with the words of the prophets, we pray with the words of the Antichrist but David Melch is calling to us that sometimes you have to make your prayer your own. You have to make your prayer personal. It has to be something that's close to you, and so it has to feel new and personal to you. And that's that's the me- that would seem to be the message that he's giving. But there's a Rashi in Devei Hayamim which elaborates on this further. Now Rashi in Devei Hayamim is not actually Rashi. He's definitely from the um, either the the what do they call it the German Franco. <coughs> Uh, area. He's definitely one of the, well, the the scholars from Germany or France, but he's definitely not Rashi. And over there, he expounds on the pasuk of Lecha Hashem Hagdula Vagvura It's a famous pasuk which we say every um, almost every fourth day or so. Kichol The pasuk says. That you Hashem is the greatness and the strength and the tferet and netzach and hod. Kichol b'shemayim uvaretz l'cha Hashem to you Hashem hamam l'cha v'hamit nasei l'chol arosh. To you Hashem is the sovereignty and v'hamit nasei l'chol arosh. And he and the uh, ability to um, rise all up to l'rosh to a leadership position, so to speak. Now that's the simple understanding. The simple understanding is that. Uh, as Rashi over there explains, whoever this is, Pirush uh, Rashi, they say. Um, the first explanation that he gives, which I, I, I de- uh, highlighted here, is that 
Hashem has the complete power and sovereignty to, um, to, to rule, and even those who he appoints to rule, it's still his own rule. All, all sovereignty belongs to Hashem, and it's all part of the kingdom of Hashem. And if he raises someone up in a position of power, that person is only exercising what could be called God's power. But the second shot refers to our Pasuk and Tilim. Says the old Pirshu says this uh, this uh, scholar. He says that in Asei lechol arosh kishanu svidin sheshavachnu lecha kol haHodaot veEin lecha od shvach achar. When we think that we have it's on the sheet if you want to look at it, um, and we don't have any other praise to say, adayin enoklum it is still nothing. Shamishubach omed lerosh hashvachot for the praised stands at the head of all praise, meaning to the beginning of all praises. So in other words, we, can, we, could, we could basically praise Hashem until our voices are numb. However, when we reach the end of, of our abilities, we'll still be as if we had never started. When David completed all of his praises in Tilim, he began Mizmor HaAchron, the last Mizmor. Rashi, this, this uh, scholar considers this last one this penultimate one to be the last uh, proper shvach in Tilim. Shiul Hashem Shir Chadash. Rash, uh, David Melech ends his last Mizmor in Tilim with Shiul Hashem Shir Chadash. Kelomar, Kol Hashvachot Chadashim Hem Kiilu Lo Shavchanu Meolam. That all the shvachot which I've just said in Sefer Tilim are as if I have never praised Hashem at all. Kach Pirshli Abinu Alazar Ben Rameir Ben Rishak Me Orleon. Like Orleans, right? Orleon. Vechem Achagiyat Kiyushami. Kamadumali. So you know, Rashi's <laughs> Rashi's tendency is never to say Kamadumali. Like I think I saw it in your Shamicha Giga. It's a different scholar here, but uh, he's quoting one of the um, one of the sages from Orléans, and he's saying that this is the way to understand it, which is that we should say it bekavanat halev as if we have never um, said it before. So that's the word, the meaning of the psukim. and that Hashem that is exalted upon all from the beginning, meaning from the beginning of, of our praises. That was how it's, it's learned over there. Now, regarding our, our um, Mizmar, there's a famous Midrash. The Midrash in Shemot Rabbah makes the distinction it's, uh, by the, where the Midrash is discussing Az Yashir. The Midrash makes the distinction between Shir and Shira, meaning between the masculine and the feminine. Says the Midrash, I have it in front of you, Kol hashirot ba'olam. All of the shirot which were said in the world, kevot, were given in, uh, what do you call it, in a feminine term. Like, as Yashir Moshe hazot. Lomar, what's the, uh, the message? What just like this female just like a female can become uh, could conceive and become pregnant and then give birth and then again she could conceive and become pregnant and give birth so too were the afflictions and the, the troubles that came upon B'nai Israel and therefore B'nai Israel would say Shira in Lashon a feminine uh, term and for this reason, that we had the three galuts, uh, wait, three, one, two, three, four galuts that happened, Aval, however, in the future, 
en otzarot bo. There will be no more uh, troubles for Bnei Yisrael. Shenamar ki neshkichu atzarot harishonot uchtiv sason v'simcha yasigu. And he brings it brings psukim to show that in the future there will be no more troubles for Bnei Yisrael. At that time, in the future, when Mashiach comes, we will say Shir in Lashon Zachar, Shin Amaris, it says in our Perak, Shirula Hashem Shir Chadash, not, well, our Perak and another one, Shirula Hashem Shir Chadash, also in Tzadichet. Uh, okay. So, what exactly um, is the significance here between Shir and Shira? So, the Midrash's framework seems to be that Shira is. Uh, when it's in the feminine, it's a mashal. It's a mashal to an akeva, and just like uh, there's chevlei leida, and these uh, and the galut is also like uh, a period of different uh, births and rebirths to bnei Israel. And there's in the sidur imdach, which is the sidur of the Balatani al piya kabbalah, he goes a little further, and he says that shir and shira are two different. Um, I mean, there's two different modes of shir. When we speak of the angels singing, or when we speak of singing on a spiritual level, the singing is generally a metaphor for an ascent. Why is that the case? Because when we sing in our world, in our domain, the way we're familiar with song, the function of song that it elevates us from our previous personal limitations and it takes us a little bit higher. We previous, let's say you're running and you're getting tired. So you put on your favorite beats and it gives you a little extra energy and you can keep running. So too, if you're sad or if you're, you need some sort of mood swing, song can pull us out of what we feel like is a, is a current limitation and it brings us a little higher than that limitation. In the same sense, whenever shira is spoken of in the terms of the angels or in the terms of any spiritual form, shira is trying to speak of an ascent, of a, of a rising up, so to speak, out of something's current limitations. So if the angels are, quote-unquote, singing, what we're really saying is that they're, um, that they're performing or there's a, a certain form of ascension which is happening with the angels that they're going into a higher world. This happens, says the Balatanya, through the Sefirah of Malchut. As we know, this is a famous idea in Kabbalah, that in, there's a four, four lamot, and in each world, the, um, the Malchut of the world on top of it becomes the Keter of the world on bottom. This is a pretty well-known idea, or else I wouldn't discuss it, um, that there's, let's say, there's Keter until Malchut and Atzilut, and then the, the Malchut gets subsumed into the Keter of Briah, and then all the way down to the, to the Malchut of Briah, and the Malchut of Briah becomes the Keter of, of Yitzirah, and so forth. Now, when Malachim rise from one Olam to the next, they do this through Malchut, says the Balatanya. Why this works exactly, we can't go into specifics, but this is what he says. And this means that this reciprocal ascension, meaning generally the or comes downwards from Olam Atzilut downwards, but when there's an ascension, it goes through Malchut. And Malchut, as, as is understood in Kabbalah, is a feminine sfirah. It's one that accepts or from the other sfirot. It's not a masculine function. It's a feminine function. So in our Galut, in our time, all of the, shira, all of the shirot happen in a feminine uh, function. The current 
um, state of affairs is that the world did not reach its tikkun, and therefore it goes up through Malchut. But in the future, and this is why Shira is Shir Hey, as we know Yud and Hey and Vav and Hey, the Hey represents Malchut usually. So, in the future, says the Balatanya, there is going to be a time when our Shir will be Lashon Zachar. And why is that? Because there will be an ascension which doesn't require Malchut. It's not going to require any more Tikkun of the Olamot underneath it. All of those Olamot will be Metukan through what's most likely the four Galuts that we, that we were supposed to have, um, as the Medrash mentioned. And those gestation periods will bring us to a more perfect universe in which we won't need a feminine um, function for Shira. There'll be a higher Shira, that is the Shir Hadash, the new Shir, is the shear of, of the time of Mashiach. Very nice. Now, the Rokeach and Rav Hertz Shliach Zibor point out here that Shiru Hashem Shir is Roshei Tevot Shalosh. And Shalosh, they say, is a remez to the fact that every time we're Meshabeach Hashem, we're Meshabeach Hashem Mishulash, threefold. And the example they give is Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Hashem Tzvakot, Melocha Laretz Kivotol. And this is a very good example because when we say Kadosh Kadosh, we're paraphrasing the Shira of the Malachim. The Malachim say Kadosh three times because they're rising from, they're praising the R that comes from Atzilut, which is Kivodo, right? Generally, Kavod means Atzilut. And then it comes down to the three worlds beneath it, which is Briya, Yitzira, and Asiya. So we say Kadosh Kadosh Kadosh, which is the three levels that the, the angels are praising. Um, Hashem Tzivakot, Melok Kol Haaretz Kivodo. From Hashem comes the R from Atzilut all the way down to these three levels. So this is why when we praise Hashem, we praise Hashem with three uh, three levels. Because we don't go all the way to Atzilut, we just mention it. But Kadosh, 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 we praise Hashem in Atsiya, Briya, Yitzira. All right. Beautiful. Um, let's go a little further. Maybe I think I put this in the wrong place. The next Pasuk is Yismach. Hashem b'masav, I'm sorry, Yismach, Yisrael b'osav, that uh, B'nai Yisrael should rejoice in their, with its maker. B'nai Tzion yagil b'malkam, and the children of Zion will exult with their king. We saw before, uh, first, uh, b'osav, its, its maker, is, is Lashon, as the Ibn Ezra says, Lashon Tiferet, meaning the, uh, not just simply its creator, it means that they're going to exalt him as their creator. And furthermore, we saw recently, I don't remember exactly when, uh, maybe in Hodu, that the Malbim holds strongly that there's a difference, a difference between Simcha and Gila. Uh, we, say in, uh, we said, Yismuchu HaShemayim v'tagel ha'aretz, that Simcha is a, it represents a joy which is a constant joy, and Gila represents a joy that comes from something new that you've experienced, something that uh, you haven't experienced before. So in the eyes of the Malbim, Nismach Yisrael Be'osav will be the constant joy. B'nei Tzion Yagilu B'malkam will exalt with their king. That's, a, that's the new joy, meaning one is the way we previously understood Hashem before the Gula. One is after. Yagilu B'malkam is when Hashem becomes Melech Al-Kola Aretz. So Simcha for the, from, the, from, the, from the perspective of Galut and then Gila from the perspective of Gula. That's the way the Malbim understands it. Now, the Rokeach and the Sidurim Dach have a different uh, understanding of the difference between Simcha and Gila. And they say that Simcha, oh, I'm sorry, I should have really gotten the exact language here, but basically they say that Simcha comes from tangible stimulus. Whenever you eat or you drink or something tangible gave you joy. 
gila is um, purely intellectual. So when we when a person has gila, that means that uh, that he had a purely intellectual kind of simchars or kind of joy. They don't exactly understand uh, these two words as the same, but that's for kabbalistic reasons. Um, because they hope they, they they hold that it represents different frameworks. I just thought it was important to point that out because I haven't found I didn't I just recently found this. Okay, um, how does it apply to this pasuk? I don't know. How does it? How would you say that Yismach Yisrael Sav would be simply um, something tangible and Gila would be uh, something intangible? I'm sure that there was a kabbalistic framework for it. It's it's in the Sidurim Dach, but. It's a little bit longer than we can actually parse here. So, Pasu Gimel, let's go a little further. So, we shall praise Hashem with dance, right? And with a drum and a harp, they will play music to Him. So, in this Sidur, they translated Machol as dance, but Machol can also mean a flute. So, it's a, it could be a musical instrument. But we know that the Gemara Tanit says, did I put it here? Yeah, Tanit, Falafamadalif. That in the future Hashem will make a circle for the tzaddikim, and He will um, sit between them in Gan Eden. And all of the tzaddikim will show with His finger. Here is our God. We hoped Him, and He saved us. Shall we rejoice and be happy in his redemption? So, what does this Gemara Antanit mean when it says that all the tzaddikim will sit around Hashem in a circle in Gan Eden? So we know that a circle, um, all points on the circle are equidistant from the center, right? So the idea is that at that point, all of the tzaddikim, says the, the Mepharshim say, that at that time, all of the neshamot in Bnei Israel will be equal um, in their, let's say, in their value, so to speak. Because all of the neshamot will have reached their tikkun, all of the neshamot will be will surround Hashem in a circle, so to speak, that they're all of equal value, all of equal distance from Hashem. And in that time, we're going to, what do you call it, experience Hashem from a level of tikkun. That's, that's the way it's generally understood, that there would be a, a, a universal recognition of Hashem. Tov v'chinar, I saw in the Sidur Dach, I didn't have time to go deeply into what, what he means by this, but he says tov v'chinar means chesed and gvura. Why? Because tov is a drum, that's gvura, and chinar is a harp, which is light, and that's chesed, and in the future we're going to basically have a, a recognition of, basically if we work on our midot of chesed and gvura, then we will get a recognition of Hashem. That's basically what he says. I don't understand more deeply what that means, but basically through our refinement of our own chesed and gura, we can bring the gula through our own restraint from doing averot and our own chesed. Beautiful. Um, pasuk Dalid. It says Pasuk Dalid, Kirotze Hashem Ba'amo. Why will this happen? For Hashem favors His nation. Yifa'er anavim bishua, and he glorifies the humble Bnei Israel, the humble, which is Bnei Israel, with salvation. So, <clears throat> this language of Yifa'er anavim bishua, I was saw was pointed out by Rav Hirsch Sibor, that 
that he believes that this is referencing uh, tefillin. He says, we know that the Gemara and Brachot Tafavamud uh, Aleph says that uh, it says that Akadosh Baruch who wears tefillin, and he says that because he says that as the Gemara says over there that Hashem is mishub, is gets so, so to speak Hashem gets praised with. Bnei Yisrael, and he praises himself with Bnei Yisrael by what's written in his tefillin. So, so to hear that Hashem becomes, um, Hashem will, he, he, the way he says it, I believe, is that you can, that Hashem will be praised with the Geula, and he'll praise Bnei, Bnei Yisrael will praise him through the Geula, and, but the, exactly how he knows it is not clear. He brings the pasuk of, of, uh, I think, Amno Shabah Hashem in, in Dvarim, but he doesn't exactly prove, doesn't exactly say clearly how he knows that that um, there will be some aspect Hashem's tefillin which will change or be recognized in Olam Haba. It doesn't say that in the Gemara. It doesn't actually say that in the Yemot HaMashiach there will be any change or any further recognition to Hashem's tefillin. That's what he seems to say in his Pirush. So, Sarich Iyun Gadol, that's that's uh, that's what we have to look into that a little more. Another thing he says, which is interesting, is on the next pasuk. The next pasuk says, "Yalzu Hasidim bechavod, let the pious exult in their honor, yiranenu al mishkivotam, and sing joyously upon their beds." So, Yalzu is gematria one twenty three, and Aaron lived one hundred and twenty three years. That's all he says. He said the referred to Sieber was a was one of the later Mikubalim who lived in Germany before the time in, before the time that the Germans were anti Kabbalah. So he wrote this uh, he wrote a Pirush on the Sidor, which actually the Shul has here. And um, it was preser- mostly preserved throughout uh, the past couple hundred years in Germany. Uh, not everyone understood what it said in it. But uh, a lot of it is also paraphrased from the Rokeach because you know, it's the same Kabbalah that they had. And he says that the representation here is Ya'alzu, which is Gemashiach 123. And who is the Chassidim Echavod? It's Aaron, Yiranenu al-Mishkvotam, that says, should sing joyously upon their beds. What it sounds like he's saying is that, um, he's, it, that, it, is that this is an allusion to Mitat Nashika, that there are those who are Zocheh, Yiranenu, to sing joyously on their beds. The Malbim over here says that Yiranenu al-Mishkvotam means Mitat Nashika, that Sadikim have the have the uh, have the uh, gift or the opportunity to sing joyously on their deathbeds because even though when they die their death is not one of pain it is a death known as mitat nishika the death of the kiss as we saw by Moshe Rabbeinu and Arona Kohen and so this Yalzu Hasidim Echavod is a reference to Arona Kohen which also also died with mitat nishika that's what it appears that he is saying over there um, let's for a second. Oh, wow. Very interesting. I left out my sheets here. Um, there's something I have to put in. Okay. So let's look at the Gemara here in Brachot, in order to understand our Gemara a little, in our Pasuk a little further. The Gemara in Brachot says that, um, the Gemara in Brachot says that this pasuk is speaking about Kriyat Shema Alamita. This pasuk of Yiranenu al Mishkavotam is speaking of this rabbinic uh, commandment to say Kriyat Shema on your bed. Amr B'Yitzchak, Kol HaKorei Kriyat Shema Alamitato, 
Whoever reads Kriyat Shema Al-Mitah, it's like he's holding a two-sided sword, a double-edged sword in his hand. That the exaltation of Hashem is in their throats, and a, and a double-edged sword is in their hands. My mashma. How do we know this is speaking about? Um, how do we know that Ramamut Kel Begonam the Cherif Pifiot Biadam is talking about Kriyat Shema? Because the pasuk right before it says that they shall rejoice on their on their beds, and their beds must be before they go to sleep. And afterwards it says, And Rabbi also said, The mazikin will become separated from him. To prove that the um, protects us from demons and evil spirits. So that comes from our Pesukim. I'm sorry I didn't read the next Pesuk, but it was, the Pesuk right after ours was, uh, we said, um, They shall sing joyously upon their beds. Roman with Kelbegonam, the high praises of God are in their throats. The double-edged sword is in, their ha- is in their hands. Now, why exactly, first of all, Pifiot is a language of a double sword, like a, like a two-piot that has two, Pifiot. Um, I think we also say it in Birchat Torah. Um, so actually, people think that that's the Nusach. It's actually a more recent. Pifiot B'nai Israel is a more recent Nusach that was added more recently. It's not, a, not, a, not an old Nusach. Regardless, um, why exactly does it reference a double-edged sword? So in the Sefer Torah Or, which is another Sefer from the Balatanya, he explains as follows. He says, first of all, the basic understanding of our pasuk, when it says "cherif pifiot biadam," says that the exaltation of of Hashem is in their throats, and there's a sword in their hands. He says the simple understanding is that "cherif" is tefillah, that the that the sword that they have is tefillah, and that allow that gives them power. Even though you, uh, it's interesting that he says this, because usually "cherif" is is nimshla Torah, but that's what he says that it's 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 a mashal to tefillah. Why is "cherif" a mashal for tefillah? Because it's a it's a mashal for avodah in general. When you make a sword, you have to take metal, you have to melt it down, and then you have to harden it. There's a process to making a sword, and it has to get stronger and stronger. And the same is true with Avodah. When we, when we um, serve Hashem daily, it has to be an exercise where we're going to get better and better at it. It's something that we have to work on. We have to make it tougher. We have to, make, we have to practice that our consciousness and our, and our ability to focus and our psyche can get strengthened. So, so too, Avodah and Tefillah is something which has to be strengthened. So that's how tefillah gets stronger and becomes more powerful. Additionally, he explains why is it not just cherif? Why is it called pifiot? Why is it a two-sided sword? Why is a tefillah as powerful as a two-sided sword? Why not, why not a, a double-edged sword? Why not a single-edged? So he says as follows. He says that it's, there's, a fa- there's a well-known idea that kochot ha are yonek. They receive their, they nurture from Kohota Tara, from, from Kedusha. And there's two ways, he says, that Klipot or Kohota Tuma can receive their Yenika, they can receive their nurture. Number one is from uh, Kedusha, from the Aratzilut, from the higher from the higher realms, places where there is no difference between good and evil, where there's all a unity. And in those areas, from those 
tremendous areas of, of Kedusha, things like Klipot can receive their, their existence. But there's another way that Klipot can receive their existence, and that is from as a byproduct of multiple Tzimtzumim, so to speak, multiple um, contractions or, or concealments. Let's, let's simplify for today. Multiple concealments of Hashem's light. Because there's so many concealments of Hashem's light, a byproduct of that is that klipot, or these, these evil and pure forces, are given the ability to exist. So we have two ways that they could exist. One is because there's a concealment of Hashem. We can't have Hashem, uh, in our material world, we have many concealments of Hashem. And on, the, on a higher level, they can receive their nurture, impure forces can receive their nurture from, uh, from higher, very lofty areas of Kedusha. And this is something we see in uh, when we sin or when we're arrogant. If we're arrogant, we could create klipot uh, which come from from olamatzilut. And if we if we if we sin with the material, we could we could create klipot which come from the tzimtzumim. There's a whole framework for how these how these klipot get created and how they and how they survive. Regardless, because there's two areas where they can be nurtured from. Cherev Pifyot means that there's a dual power, that the tefillah, especially Kriyat Shema Hamita, this tefillah can cut off the inika on both ends. This tefillah has the power to completely cut down the klipot and the, and the kochot atumah. And this is how Kriyat Shema Hamita is so powerful because it has that power to, to um, as a double-edged sword powered, to destroy the klipot. And this is actually something he says in the Sefer Atanya. He says that Kriyat Shema Mita is powerful enough to restore Nitzotot HaKedusha, which were lost through the night or, th- or in the morning. And um, it's a very, very powerful thing. And more people should really be Zahir and saying Kriyat Shema Mita. It's a very powerful source. It's not just to protect you at night when you sleep. It's also something which could be Metakein, a lot of, uh, uh, what do you call it, damage that we've done during the day. It says the next Pasuk, um, Lasot... Nekama bagoim, um, to exact vengeance upon the nations, tochechot balumim and retribution upon the empires, balumim in the em- in the empires. In, in the Siddur of Hershiyach Hirsh- Sibur, he says, "Well, you could read it that way, but you could also read it balumim. You could also learn it as saying that Hashem will create will make non-empires, that He will rich- uh, cause retribution on them until they will fall to non-existence. He'll basically wipe them from." from existence. It's another very clever way of, of learning the word, because David Amalek does things like that all the time, so it's, it, it is quite possible that it's Balumim. Um, one more thing, he says Nekama, I think, is Gemashiach HaKetz, which is, yeah, it is, which is also uh, speaking of the Geula, uh, at the end. The next Pasuk says, Le'esor Malchem Bzikim, to tie up their, to bind their kings in chains. This is uh, obviously the kings of uh, of the of the nations of the world, and their nobles, barzel in iron shackles or iron fetters. So fetters or shackles are things you know, like chains they put on on the uh, on the on the feet. Says of Hertzliatzibur, barzel is actually gematria two thirty nine, and there's two hundred thirty nine words in Kriyat Shema. So Kriyat Shema Lamita is less is barzel. This is the barzel of Kriyat Shema which can actually bind uh, one's, one's legs. Chavle, I remember just as a fun anecdote, um, when we were learning Hamavir Chavle Me'enai that's spelled with a chet. So Chavle with ropes, but the, in the Sidur of Sadia Gaon, he's actually goris with a chaf. 
So it says, Hamavir Chevle Shena, that Hashem should remove the shackles or the fetters of, of sleep from Me'enai Me'afapai. Um, okay. The last Pasuk. Here we go, Pasuk Tet. Lasot Bahem Ishpat Katuv. In order to administer to them the justice that is written, Hadarhu which shall be glorious for his pious ones, Hallelujah. Now, what is this Mishpat Katuv? That Hashem is going to administer them the justice which is written. So Rashi says that it says in Yechezkel, let me just pull out the Lashon Rashi here. It says in the Nivuab Yechezkel, Venatati at Nikmati Ba'adom, and I shall give my, my vengeance or revenge on Adom. And uh, that's the, the vengeance Hashem is speaking of, that uh, in the future Hashem was going to give vengeance. Asks Rashi a very simple question. What do you mean? Yechezkel lived hundreds of years after David. David is talking about a mishpat, which is katuv, a justice which is already written down. Where is it written down? Yechezkel wasn't even born yet. So Rashi answers, no, David HaMelech was mitnaveh this before Yechezkel. The David HaMelech saw the exact same nevuah before Yechezkel, and he's giving a nevuah on the future. What does it mean by katuv already? He says, when the kits will come, then it will have already been written for many years. That's how Rashi answers it, al Habshat. When the kits will come, it will be a mishpat katuv. Rashi saw the geulah, sorry, David HaMelech saw the geulah in the future. He saw Yechezkel's writing of, of this nivuah down. He was such a powerful navi, he could see Yechezkel's nivuah in the future and see that Yechezkel was going to write it down. And on that, David HaMelech is being with Naveh. That's his prophecy. While the Rokeach takes a simpler route. The Rokeach says it was the derech of David HaMelech to write down, to take notes on the people who used to, <laughs> who used to, to, to cause him issues. So his, uh, basically when he was running from Shaul and from his enemies, everybody, he couldn't keep track of all the people who wanted him dead. So he'd have to keep a list. <laughs> and the Mishpat Katuv, the Mishpat Katuv that he has is to administer the justice to all the enemies, which I have written down on my handy dandy little list. And that's that's al piderach hapshat. What it means that David Melech saying that he's going to administer justice to uh, to his uh, to his enemies. Bezrat Hashem. Tomorrow, uh, next week we'll begin we'll begin the last Hallelujah, which is also known as the greatest or the the uh, almost the signature of Tehillim. It, it seems that the Rishonim consider Shul Hashem Shir Hadash to almost be the last one, and that Hallelujah Hallelujah Bekatcho is in its own class. It's, it's such an exalted praise. So, Bezat Hashem, next week we will experience uh, uh, that, that's Mizmar.